0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome back marriage and family therapist, Elizabeth Earnshaw to the show. Elizabeth is the founder of Liz Listens, and she joined us on episode 98, where we discussed learning how to fight fair with our partners. Liz is also the author of the book, I Want This to Work. And she was the first person who came to mind when I got hundreds of messages inquiring about what to do and how to work through conflict when only one partner wants to have another baby and the other doesn't. This episode is the most requested topic I think I've unanimously received from all of you in DMs. And it's a continuation of a conversation I was having with Kate McReynolds in episode 157 about how to choose or decide whether to add more children into the family. In this episode today, Liz and I dive into some of the most common reasons why couples disagree on growing a family, the best way to approach these really high stakes and emotional conversations, ways that we can become curious and reflect on why we feel so strongly one way or another. And we also discuss these hard conversations when maybe people's minds have changed or our values have evolved and how it can be really difficult to get on the same page with one another. Liz works with many couples and this theme comes up often. So if this is something that you've struggled with, or this is an ongoing conversation in your home, you're really going to appreciate this conversation today. Let's hear this episode with Liz. What's better than taking a course designed to help you manage your mom rage so you can parent with less anger and more connection? Taking that course with a community of like-minded moms and direct mentorship from me and Dr. Asharina Reem, also known as Psyched Mummy. Do you tend to beat yourself up over how you've handled tough parenting situations? We get it and we've been there. We've been taught that moms are supposed to be tender and nurturing. And when we feel or express anger, we believe something is wrong with us. But being reactive or losing your cool doesn't make you a bad mom. It just means that you need the right tools in your toolbox to help you stay calm. In our course, All the Rage, we use proven methods to teach moms how to handle the most triggering parenting moments. And beginning in May, for the first time ever, we're running a live version of the course to help guide you through step-by-step and provide the answers you need along the way. Over the five-week course and live mentorship, you'll learn how to parent in a way that feels good, be in control of your own emotions, repair after human moments, connect with other moms who are working through the same struggles, have access to Dr. Reem and I in weekly Q and A's, and so much more. You'll get personalized expertise that isn't included in the original course, along with a supportive online community of moms in our private Facebook group. Already purchased the course? Don't worry. You can upgrade with our mentorship and community add-on. Join us for all the Rage Live 2023. Head to momwell.com/rage to register now. That's momwell.com/rage. Welcome to the Momwell Podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of Momwell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Liz, thank you so much for taking the time to join us again. We had you here when you were doing your press tour for your book. How is post-release official published author life treating you? How are you doing since book launch? It's been great. I
1: feel like once it's launched into the world, a lot of the anxiety goes away. So... Pre launch, lots of anxiety. Oh my gosh, are there going to be horrible reviews? What's going to happen? Are people going to hate it? And then once it's out in the world, it's like not yours anymore. And so it's mostly just exciting to be able to share it with people.
0: Yeah, we had such a great response to that episode and fighting fair and conflict and all the relational things that come up. I think that they may have been there postpartum or pre baby, but if not, they're either highlighted or they kind of pop up because we have so many different conversations and encounter so many things postpartum that it's kind of inevitable we have these disagreements, hey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They come up no matter what. (laughs) Yeah. I had an episode go semi-viral, I want to say a couple months back. It was episode 157, how to know when you're ready to have another or when you're done. This question that I feel like plagues so many of us and Also respectfully, there are some who don't have this choice and that also comes with its own set of complex feelings and grief and various things to process there. Absolutely. But there are those who maybe are deciding whether to go through another IVF cycle or deciding whether to try again. And I got hundreds of messages about that episode. One of the biggest requests being what if my partner and I like are not on the same page here? Can you address that? And you came right to mind and I was so excited that you agreed to be here with us. So thank you for joining us today.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. And when you reached out about it, I was excited to talk about it because as I was telling you before we started, this comes up a lot in therapy and couples therapy.
0: Yeah. And like, where to even begin? I did a Instagram poll in preparation for this week. Trying to understand a few things. Like one, what are the common reasons why we disagree? Like what are the th- reasons that feel like the barrier? Mm. And two, like who is the one that doesn't want to have children? I was curious because I feel like this gets really gendered sometimes. Sure. So yeah, in the poll it was do you not want another or does your partner not want another? And it was 58% partner and 42% mom didn't want another. I was like, that's pretty close to even. I feel like that's probably more close to even than I probably would have anticipated. So really these barriers are kind of like equally shared between mom and partner. Mm -hmm. And the ones that came up were, of course, like kind of the common ones, like finances and space within the home and like practicalities in that way. Yeah. But then a lot of them had Like trauma, like it was a really traumatic experience.
1: Right, like birth trauma or they've tried IVF cycles many times and it's not worked or something like that.
0: Really like high emotional or physical stakes potentially to have another. Or postpartum was really more rough than they expected. Mm -hmm. Lack of support came up. All kinds of reasons, really, which I feel like are unique and independent to each couple and their set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, what we find in this equation is that we've got one partner for and one partner against. And this just feels like such a big thing to be in disagreement about. Yeah, it's huge. Kids in general is one of the hardest things
1: to talk about for People. You know, are we gonna have kids? Are we not gonna have kids? Is really hard to talk about if people are on different pages. And do we want to grow our family? It's really an incredibly challenging conversation. I mean, it has to do with human beings. So it makes a lot of sense. It's not like we're just asking, do we want to redo the bedroom or do we want to renovate the bathroom? Like those are kind of they're important maybe sometimes, but they're not as pivotal as having children.
0: Yeah. And I feel like there's a couple of stages of this because I feel like there is the, we're talking about it and we're not on the same page and we're in disagreement. And that feels like maybe there is an open door. Maybe there is something that I can say that logically will persuade them to be on my side or that I can say that will help them close that door or however. So I feel like there's that mm-hmm. camp that maybe we can address. Mm-hmm. And then I also feel like there's the, once we have realized or accepted that the door has been closed, mm-hmm. peace, like this is not in fact going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we deal with that? Because And there's like resentment, there's acceptance, there's like values being at odds, there's all kinds of things there. So maybe we start with the not being on the same page and how to approach that conversation if we've had a hard time talking about it. Where do couples even start? Yeah, so I think it's
1: very loaded and couples actually struggle to have a real conversation. So what happens is they present their positions and then if their partner is, quote, against the position, there becomes a huge shutdown in the conversation. Mm. So it might sound something like, what's going to happen? Are we going to have a third? I've always wanted a third. You knew that when we were getting together, but we haven't even started trying. And the other partner might say something like, well, I've changed my mind on that. And ever since seeing what it's like to actually have kids, having a third seems like it's not going to work for us. And the partner who really wants it might say something like, I can't believe that you're doing this to me. It's really unfair. I have to decide what I want to do now then, right? So Mm -hmm. there might be a shutdown Mm -hmm. or it even might be the partner who doesn't want the child might shut down and say, I can't believe you're bringing this up again. Look around us. Our house is a mess. We don't have any money. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So there often isn't a conversation. So one thing that I encourage couples who are on different pages to do is to really reflect on have we truly had a conversation or Have we just presented positions, argued about the positions, and then kind of swept it under the rug, resenting each other, avoiding the topic, or just hoping that our partner kind of magically changes their mind or even hope that like an accident happens and you just get pregnant and you can like move on and not have to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So slowing down and actually having that conversation can be hard because you have to listen. You have to really be open to what the other person's perspective is on this. And often when you can slow down, what you can do is you can actually understand and step into what has their experience of parenting been? What is their experience or their fears or their excitement about the future look like? And once you can empathize, you can get much closer to trying to figure out how do we solve this problem together? When you're having that conversation, I think it's important to touch on a few things. Number one is, what do you believe about having kids in the first place? Mm. And so sometimes people don't really analyze that. They might have always thought from childhood they wanted a huge family, but when they sit down and talk about it and they talk about what they actually believe, maybe it doesn't even fit their beliefs anymore, right? Mm. Or maybe it does. But what is their philosophy on family? Is the philosophy that there should be a big family and that when there's a big family, there's lots of love and you can take care of each other. And In an old age, you have a lot of support. Or is there a philosophy of small families are nice because we can be cozy with each other and we have more resources to still have fun and to go on vacations and and all of those types of things. So what's the philosophy? The other thing you really want to talk about is adding another child. What sense does that bring you in your life? So does it bring you a sense of peace, does it bring you a sense of completion? Does it bring you a sense of adventure? Or does it bring you a sense of chaos, of uncertainty? So what does that bring for you? And then talking about what are the reasons for having a child, another child, but also what would be the reasons to not? And I encourage both people to try to give answers to both of those questions. So sometimes the person who wants the child will not answer that second one. And they'll say, I don't even want to get into that because we'll just figure it out. It's not a big deal. I want another kid. There's great reasons for it. Parents forever have had to deal with the reasons why not. And, and they all get over it. But talk about it. Why not? Maybe why not is because we can't even manage the two kids we have now. Uh, The daycare is too expensive. I almost got fired last week because I've had to leave work 15 times this year. Mm -hmm. We never connect anymore because we don't have enough babysitters to let us go on dates. So can you logically step into an argument against your own position? And the other person... Talk about the reasons why. That can not only help you to open up your perspective, but it can help your partner to feel really validated in the fact that you can see why, even if you don't totally agree. And so those are some things that might help to have that conversation a little bit.
0: Want to get smarter about your health, but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. go to ZocDoc.com slash momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's zocdoccom slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. Yeah, we've been talking a lot in that previous episode and also in some follow-up ones about like birth trauma and things, really being clear on our own motivation to have another, like what is driving this need so strongly yeah. And in the birth trauma episode, we talk about like, is this that we want to do over from a traumatic experience that we feel like was yeah. robbed from us? Is this us being done and avoiding because, you know, we just are so fearful of even entertaining the thought of doing that again. And so yeah. really coming to these conversations, having done some work ourselves to understand why we are taking the position that we're taking mm-hmm. and then really seeking to understand our partner, as you said, because- I feel like I don't know, if I was to make a decision or like a an argument or a case for to my husband about wanting another, well, I have three boys. I'd be like, mm-hmm. but you know, that little girl though. Oh. Or like, you know, the gender piece, or I always envision myself being a mom to a girl or whatever. Like we've got three, we could make it work, like these kinds of things sure. that are all very emotional, not very like rooted in the realistic, utter and sheer chaos of raising three boys every day, but really more like latched on to the ideals or the visions I had of myself growing up as a mom to a daughter or things like that. And so doing that work, I think, to really understand ourselves and then, as you said, wanting to hear what their objections are or their reasons for Another thing, a theme that's coming up in my my mind right now is I've heard from some partners that their partner is the one that wants another, and they don't want to take the time away from their career. They sacrifice to have time Mm. off, and they don't want to put themselves backwards sort of or on pause in terms of career, and I just got my body back. I've worked to try and heal postpartum and all of these things, and I don't want to put myself through that again. So there's so many reasons why, but I think like you said, just trying to understand our partner and where they're coming from.
1: That is pivotal. The conversation won't move forward if you don't do that because when people don't feel understood, they just get into a battle of trying to feel understood. They don't actually get to a true openness to problem solving. So Mm -hmm. what happens then is people just continue to repeat their positions and nothing moves. So the more that you can try to understand why the other person's position makes sense, even if it's not your position, why does it make sense for them? The more likely you're going to get movement towards whatever it is that you need to do next in that conversation. So yeah, trying to understand, it totally makes sense that my partner doesn't want another baby. It was horrible. They had postpartum depression and they had to leave work for a year and, and they didn't like that. And it's impacted them. Or of course, my partner wants another kid. They grew up with a huge family. They loved it. That's how they've seen themselves in life as somebody that was going to have a big family. And these things make sense. And so it's so visceral, the children thing, that mm-hmm. sometimes we don't let it make sense why the other person is different from us. But that's a really important first step.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I could totally, like, if my partner was the one bringing it to me, I can so see myself being like, are you the one that carries this baby? Are you the one that has to do these things? Because like, don't come at me with your, I want to have another baby. If, you know, like you don't have a full understanding of what it does for my body and whatever. In their question or in their position, it feels like already they don't understand or they're not on the same page or something about it that feels like already they're on the other side of this. I don't know how to explain it, but Yeah. Well, I think that
1: it becomes a sense that parenting is a unilateral decision, Mm. which it can't be. You're not going to have a good experience with that. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it can be, you could just straight up say, I don't care about your input here and we're not talking about it anymore. And if that happens, there's going to be real impacts to your, your partnership or your marriage. And I think you gave a great example of saying something like, no way, it's my body. You don't know how this affects it. Right. I've also seen the opposite where a partner might say, I know you want another kid, but I remember what it was like. You had terrible birth trauma. You had postpartum depression. It was horrible and I don't ever want to see that again. Yeah, That wasn't good for us. We almost got divorced. It was horrible. And in those experiences, what happens is the other partner will say something like, well, it's my body and I get to decide if I go through that again. And while yes, of course that's true. It's your body. You've consent over your body. If you're in a partnership, that is a reality. You need to talk to your partner about what realistically happened the previous time and Mm. what might realistically happen again. And if your partner is saying that was horrible for us, you have to care about that. So whether it's the birthing partner who's saying it was horrible for us or the other partner saying it was a miserable experience, how can you talk about those experiences together and either plan to make them better if that's the only holdup is it was a horrible experience? Right. You'll actually talk about that you might make your partner more comforted, right? You might be able to say, you're right, I had horrible postpartum. I don't want you or our family to go through that entire experience again. If we were to have a kid, what would it look like to set us up for success there? What would we have to do? That's going to get you much further than it's just me. And if I want to go through postpartum again, I can make that decision myself. Right. Yeah. So really taking in what the other person says is important.
0: You bring up a really important point that we don't experience these things in a silo or a vacuum unto ourselves, right? Like we know the statistics about maternal mental health. And if a mom is struggling with postpartum depression or anxiety, their partner's 50% more likely to experience postpartum depression or anxiety themselves even though, you know, it might start with mom or mom's trauma or mom's rough postpartum, like we are tethered together as this unit, as a parenting unit, as a family. And so these decisions, while they feel like autonomous decisions that we should be able to make for ourselves, I think that that's a piece of it. Like this is my body, like this is a decision I want to make for me. And it feels like we're losing some autonomy over that Mm -hmm. almost. Mm -hmm. We are not doing that in a silo and and maybe you are, maybe you are a solo parent by choice and in which sure. case maybe you're not having disagreements with a partner about it. And and there is a way to have autonomy over those choices. Absolutely. But in the context of a partnership, it feels like we're losing some of that or sacrificing some of that or compromising on some of that autonomy to choose in order to meet the needs of the partnership, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: And that's hard because it is obviously a decision where the person who is physically going through it has to give consent to go through that process. And so that person is going to, in many ways, have more of a say about what's going to happen to their body. And both people do need to be able to understand how it impacted the unit And you don't want to make a decision that completely disregards the impact on the unit because what will happen is that you will build resentment and it will not be a pleasant experience. So if you end up having the baby disregarding the experience of the unit, then that will be lovely. You'll love your baby, all of those things. And your partner is likely to feel really upset about that in the future. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to be a good Parenting or family experience. And if you decide not to have children and you don't actually talk about it and find a way to grieve and come to peace with it and really honor both people's experiences there, the same thing will happen. There will be a lot of resentment. You know, you don't want to be 60 years old and have your partner say, My biggest regret was that you never let us have a second kid. I blame you for that so much. And it's made me hate you. And Or you don't want your partner in three years to say, I want a divorce because you didn't care that I wanted a second kid. And so I just don't want to be in this anymore. So it's really important to try to deal with this in a way that takes account of how both people are feeling.
0: Mm -hmm. Not one person's needs sort of bulldozing the charge without hearing or considering, but also not one person just like passively bending to the other, as you're saying, where They're just sort of swallowing those preferences or those needs to vocalize that they do or don't, whatever the situation. And then that resentment sort of going underground for a time. Yeah. And I think that being able to talk it out helps you to come to both like in the episode we talked about like the wise mind decision, like both the emotional reasons and the logical reasons. Let's put them all out on the table, have a true conversation about them and then make a decision together, understanding both positions so that we can either close that door or go in that direction. Yeah. My husband and I have had this conversation about it fourth because, like, that little girl though, she just Aww. would have been so darn cute. <laughs> but ultimately making the decision to have another baby and add another like being to our family that like we both are responsible for. Um, but you know, to chase a bit of what felt like a dream didn't outweigh the reality of what that would mean for us and our family and the dynamics and the postpartum experiences and the sleep deprivation and all the things that we know that that would mean for us. And truly without a guarantee, like my luck, I'd have twin boys for my fourth, you know, like we don't get a guarantee in the redo or in the gender, in the ideal that we're seeking.
1: Right.
0: So I was able to let the pressure out of that balloon a little bit in terms of the emotional side and say, okay, like I just have to come to a place of acceptance here Yes. because when we really objectively look at it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Then that's a whole other wave of complex feelings to deal with because either we resolve it and we get on the same page and we move forward or if we're the ones that feel like we're, I don't know if compromising is the right word, but we're having to like readjust our expectations. Yeah. That comes with a lot of big feelings as a result, I would say.
1: Huge feelings. And I relate to what you were sharing when we had my son. Afterwards, I said, I'm never having another baby again. Yeah. <laughs> And my husband, I I think he would have wanted another. And at the same time was like, I get it. You had horrible postpartum. You had a very traumatizing birth experience. And my son is the most easygoing child on the planet now. But for the first six months, the sleep deprivation was out of control, as I'm sure a lot of moms can imagine. And I have a career that I really cared about. So
0: yeah,
1: at that point, I said, I don't, I don't want any kids. But then a a couple years later four years later actually i was like i think that i do want a second i'd really like to expand our family and at that point my husband was like i don't and we had to take time to talk about the emotions so like we just talked about but then you just brought up this idea of reality checking that is a place that people really struggle with and it's important to be able to face reality I think that when people come to couples therapy, they want just their emotions to be looked at. But as a therapist, I don't allow that to be the only frame. I say, okay, great. These are the feelings, but what's reality? Mm. And sometimes, and I think especially in our world right now, we have eyes that want to order all the things off the menu, but our lives actually can't hold them all. Our stomachs Mm. are not big enough for all of it. And so a lot of couples will come in and they'll have a lot of wonderful emotional reasons to add to their family. But then we actually reality check what we find is the family unit's going to collapse in reality. You know, you both are working full-time jobs, you're sending your kid to this expensive school, you also love to run marathons and you love to do this and you love to do that and yes, parents can do those things. And what I'm hearing from you, I'll have to say to people, is that the reality of your specific life, not the life you're seeing on Instagram, not the life that your best friend has, your specific life is going to collapse. And so unless you are willing to change your life around so it doesn't collapse, which is going to mean one of you has to do less hours at work, or you have to move out of this house, or you're going to not be able to do all the hobbies you want to do for several years. That's the reality. So, do you want to change those things or not? And my husband, when he was kind of pushing back, he was great at the reality checking part. And for the more emotional partner, that can be annoying. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I was like, we'll figure it out. This is really important. And he was right. He was like, you just took on this other job. You want your son to go to this expensive Montessori school. You're going to want the other one to go to the expensive Montessori school. And he was able to point out all these things. And what we had to talk about there was our values of living. So do the things in our life that we're doing right now fit our values of living. And if that means that a child won't fit into that, we can't have another kid. Mm. So if everything we're doing right now, all the things we're piling on is what we want, then we, a kid's not going to fit. Mm-hmm. But if we're piling on a million things and have too many expenses and do too much, and that's not in our values, maybe we can change our lifestyle so that we could have another kid without collapsing the unit. And so what we did, and I tell people a lot, and you don't want to just use this to kick the can down the lane, but what we did was we came up with a temporary agreement. Of as long as our lives look like this, as long as we're spending the amount of money we're spending every year, as long as we're working this number of hours, we're not going to add a kid. And if our lives look different, then we will because, and then we have to talk about what's important to us. Because mm-hmm. what's important to us is having a lot of time with our kids, traveling a lot, having flexibility, not being the type of people that are like stuck at home because there's like too many kids to pack up their bag every single time you want to leave the house. So how do we create that lifestyle and still add another kid? And we lived for a few more years saying we're not because we like to just get up and go. And we don't want a baby right now. And then finally, our lifestyles changed. And I shared with you, we're having another kid in July, Mm -hmm. but only because we got to the point where the reality matched the emotions. And if we hadn't gotten to that point, we would have not added another child. Yeah. And that because to me, my marriage and my current family was more important than the dream that I had or the fantasy that I had that it like might work out, even though it probably wasn't going to.
0: Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready to eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add ons every week, like breakfast, on the go lunch, Snacks and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com/slash momwell50 and use code MOMWELL50 to get 50% off your first box. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed, but the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Ashirina Reem psyched Mummy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes, And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create all the rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo Rage 20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code Rage 20. That's momwell.com slash rage code Rage 20. Yeah, it's so interesting because as you're speaking, my neurodivergent ADHD brain that loves to hyperfixate on things when they are my goal or interest Me too. can recall times when I've been like so adamant, not necessarily with this decision, but I can imagine if it was applied to this decision, how a logically, you know realistically grounded partner presenting these logical reasons would be really, really difficult because (laughs) if I've got my tunnel vision set on something, whether it's because I'm neurodivergent or whether it's because we've been through trauma and we so desperately want a redo or so desperately want to avoid ever going near that experience again, when it is so emotionally fueled or charged, it is so difficult Like we're really not engaged with our realistic thinking in those times, right? Like when I'm hyper fixated on something, like all time passes, all things like nothing about being grounded in the realistic pieces of the situation is really present. And that piece of our brain is kind of like offline when we're really hijacked emotionally. So I think it's really important for us to just sort of recognize and consider what is the emotion driving this so strongly? For me, it would likely be just my fixation because there's been more times than I would like to admit where my partner has said, maybe we'll sit on this decision for a week or two or three. And if you still feel this way in three weeks, then we'll have a real like heart to heart conversation about it because he knows now how I can get like tunnel vision on things. So what you're saying about parking it, what you're saying about like agreeing to two years, this is sort of off the table as a decision and we'll revisit it in X amount of time and allowing for some time and space and perspective and healing and things to happen can really make a difference in either partner's approach.
1: Totally. And it's really hard. And one thing I I always like to remind people of is when we're talking about these types of things on a podcast or you read about them in a book, it's the overview. It's not what it looks like in the nitty gritty. And so did my partner and I have one, I'm, I'm like you, I get hyper-focused. If I have a goal, it's happening tomorrow. That's me, yeah. And if you tell me no, it hurts my feelings.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I will think of every possible way to like, you know. I will think of all the solutions. So yeah. it's
1: hard. And it doesn't mean that I didn't six months later You know, see my friend have a baby and go home and say, Why can they manage it? And we can't. And then my husband would say, Because they don't like to take as many vacations as you like to take. (laughs) (laughs) Let me remind you. Remind me. But what I was able to then do in that time was also present him realistic arguments. Mm. So I started to move into, well, he's got all these great things to share. Like financially, it'll be too much. There was really bad postpartum depression. It like was bad on our marriage. But then I started to be able to say, you know, one thing that's really important to me is my son has a sibling and he has started to notice his loneliness more. And my husband could hear my reality that I was noticing. These aren't just emotional things. He was able to say, you're right. That was really sad at Christmas when he said, oh man, I wish I had a little sibling to play with today? Or why aren't there any kids around? And so I started being able to present just not my feelings, but also this is what I'm seeing. This is how it's impacting us. Can you imagine what it'll look like when we're, you know, 40 and there's only one person coming to Thanksgiving and not two people coming to Thanksgiving? And That allowed him to also hear my perspective. The other thing that that time let me do was I didn't give up on the thought because I'm hyper-focused, but I started to take these realities into consideration and he and I started to work together to change them. So the thing you were talking about where you're like, how will I solve this? It actually gave me time to solve it. So instead of diving in, having the baby and solving it after... What I've done for the past year or so before we decided to actually go for it was I started cutting back hours. I started getting better at delegating. I started therapy again. I was like doing all these things, knowing we might not have a baby, that we might not do that. Right. But that if I wanted that, I was going to have to be comfortable with creating a life that welcomed it. And so, I I took that feedback and I did it. And you know, my husband also worked on some things and we got to a place where we both were very secure that it was gonna feel okay to manage and that I probably will have postpartum depression again and that we will- Plan for that. We'll plan for it. We know what it looks like this time. And I've worked with a lot of couples where once they can navigate the emotional and the reality, they can start to work towards something that allows their lives to be what it wants. And even if that is not having a kid, right? But Mm -hmm. let's say the emotional reason was I want a kid because it brings so much more liveliness into our lives. Okay, well, you've decided together you're not having a kid, but that does not mean you get to take away the liveliness. So what are you going to do together to have that liveliness happen? Or you say, I want another kid because it's important to me to have lots of kids around for our only child. If you decide not to have another kid, then it's on you and your partner to figure out how do we create a family for our child elsewhere. We have to do lots of play dates or we have to get really close with our best friend who has a similar age child or whatever it is. But in either direction, creating that life that still holds that value somehow can actually happen.
0: Yeah. What you're saying is reminding me of like, a conversation that actually came out of a body image episode where they were talking about your body isn't like the destination, like how you want to look. It's the vehicle to where you want to go. Like, what are you trying to achieve by doing this
1: mm-hmm. essentially?
0: Mm-hmm. And so like with a child, what is it going to bring you? What is it going to yes. bring you that you so desperately want? And if you're not going to have a child, how do you go about Getting that thing in your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, for me, if it's really I want to have a girl, I'm like, maybe I'll have a granddaughter one day or something. Or like also knowing or coming to the realization that just because I might have a girl doesn't mean I would have a quote unquote like girly girl. Yes, right. They might not like all the bows that you wanted to put in. There. Right. <laughs> doesn't mean I can't share these things with my sons. Doesn't mean the relationship maybe I envision having with my daughter, I may not even have, I might be able to have that with the son versus like all of those things, like really examining right. what do I think that I'm going to like gain? And I say gain, I don't mean in like a greedy way, but what, like, no, what but is really drawing me to this decision? And yeah. if it is a no, and ultimately for us, it was a no for all the realistic reasons. And one of those was living in the reality of not just having a baby, but then The baby being a toddler and then the baby being school age and then having four school age children with attitude to manage and like all of those pieces where myself, I could get myself to the place even without my partner to say, I got enough on my plate. Like that is not really something I feel like signing myself up for. Four kids learning to drive. That sounds really hard. <laughs> like all three of my kids are going to be in college at the same time. That sounds very expensive. You know, there's just so many things. So what am I going to do to keep that connection with my boys in the way that I would imagine a girl and just these different things? And how do I get those needs met ultimately in a different way? Because I think that oftentimes it is a vehicle to meeting a need and we haven't really like identified what that is for ourselves sometimes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that when you can identify that, then whatever direction you go in, you can work together to get that need met somehow. Like you said, it might be that you have a friend who has a little girl and you just really become kind of the auntie. Yeah. But then saying to your partner, like, I need to have time to do that. Like, I've always wanted a little girl and my friend has a little girl and I spend lots of money on the little girl because Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a need for me there to send her books or to buy her a cute dress or whatever it is. And if we didn't end up having a child, that would have been how I got that need met is to build a relationship with her. Right. Mm -hmm. But what is that need underneath? What is the need to maybe add a sibling? That's one reason that comes up a lot for couples is we have to have another one. They have to have a sibling. If you're both on the same page about that, great. But the need there is to make sure your kid isn't alone. So is there another way that that could be filled? And that's a fair need to have. And you have to be able to talk about that with your partner.
0: Hmm. Yeah. One last thing before we wrap up here is early on in our conversation, you had mentioned that, you know, well, I thought I did want a big family. Now that has changed for me. And the concept of whether it's values changing or agreements that we've had in our partnership changing, and I just want to call this out a little bit because I'm a big fan of us growing and evolving. And with that comes change. Yeah. And like we set these expectations for our family before we've ever stepped foot in the role of being parents. Yeah. I think it's very healthy to reevaluate our goals and expectations again based on the reality that we are in. Yeah. And that's not to say that's not to put our trauma in the driver's seat to say I'm never doing this again. Like that's not to like empower our emotional side, but it is to say like we grow and evolve and yeah. we do change in our partnerships and I think updating our values as a family or our goals as a family as we evolve can be a really healthy thing to do if we're doing it like in sync with one another. Yes. And
1: Sometimes people can't get in sync, and that's really hard. But people change. I mean, the the biggest joke in kindergarten was that the teacher asked, "How many kids do we each want to (laughs) have?" It was a math assignment. We had to use M and M's or something, and I counted one hundred because I want (laughs) one hundred children (laughs) because I love children. I've always loved children, even when I was five years old. And like you said, then you actually become a parent. And you realize what that's like. And for some people, it's, oh my God, I love it. I thought I only wanted one and now I want 20. And for some people, it's, I always thought I wanted five, but nope, I'm happy with one or two and that's gonna be enough for me. And are you able together to take in new information? I think it's really sad when couples hold each other to these things that they promised each other 10 years before, Right, And they don't ever allow new information to change that. And they become really dug in on it. And they might say something like, you promised me it would be five. We promised each other. And you have every right to be upset if a promise was changed, of course. right. And can you take a deep breath and say, what new information has come up? What has changed? It's not my partner lying to me. It's just that maybe something new came up. And can I think on that also and see what that means to me if I sit on it for a little bit. And maybe I still want five, or maybe I say, you're right, I've changed too. But people change. Situations change. People might start out with enough money to have a lot of kids, and then they might lose their jobs. Or people might start out with no money, and then have a ton of money and say, oh, we can add more. I feel comfortable suddenly. And so... Obviously money is not the only reason you choose to have a family, but circumstances change, health changes, all sorts of things change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I was like the one in kindergarten and grade school and university and like, I'm not getting married until I'm 35. I don't know (laughs) if I want children, Mm, don't really feel very maternal. Don't know that that's my thing. (laughs) Here I am, 35 years old, married for 10 years with three kids. I'm like, what? I predicted that
1: incorrectly. Let's just say. Hysterical. We're completely opposite. I was like, I'm gonna get married out of high school. I'm gonna have children. I just wanna cook and clean and that's all I want to do. And then I went to college and was like, oh no, I don't want any.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like it evolves and we change and our values and other areas change. And maybe we'll address that in another show at some point. Like how we grow together in our values as couples instead of grow apart, because it is a lot. I'm a completely different person as a mother with an almost eight-year-old now than I was when we early got married. I couldn't be night and day more different, I don't think, as a person. Yeah. And so factoring in that, changing our minds can sometimes be a really healthy thing, I think. Yeah. Is ultimately the message yeah. that I want to leave you with is that sometimes that definitely brings with it grief and acceptance and you know reconciling adjusting your dreams in your brain of what this looks like but it can be really healthy for us so yeah. thank you so much Liz for taking the time to be with us today thank you for having me and where can people learn more from you find more out
1: so the easiest place is my website which is my name so elizabethernshaw.com you can also find me at lizlistens on instagram And I wrote a book called I Want This to Work and it's available everywhere books are sold.
0: And we'll make sure to link all of those things in the show notes so people can easily find their way to you and appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate Liz taking the time to be with us today to unpack this really complicated topic. And there's so many layers and variables in each individual couple and relationship that are hard for us to cover with such broad strokes. So as always, I would love to hear from you, what resonated from this episode or what areas you might like us to dive into further. And as always, if you're struggling, whether it's individually or processing things about your relationship and how they've changed, I encourage you to book in a free 15 minute consultation with one of our therapists who can help you unpack those things for you individually, can help you work through some of the resentment or frustrations you might have towards your partner. And we're serving more than 25 states and across several provinces in Canada. To learn more, head to momwell.com. That's momwell.com. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place, where we are being joined by three-time New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Shafali, where she joins us to discuss her new book, The Parenting Map. You don't wanna miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need to refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center. To join the MomWell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to MomWell.